what's up and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I'm really stoked on this week's guest. It's been a long time coming. He's a very close friend of mine. I kind of wanted to wait long enough to get the format of the show just right to have him because his story's so good. He's such a close friend. Our banter is so good. I just, I wanted to make sure we got it right. I feel like we did exactly that. It was so fun. This week's guest is Max Danziger from Set It Off. If you aren't familiar with my backstory, my entire start of my career in music is because of the band Set It Off. I started touring with them back in 2008, and Max joined the band very shortly after that. So this was a really fun one. We got to talk about all of those days together, touring and all the ridiculous things we got into. But there was also another really cool side of it where I got to learn more about his early days that I didn't really know. So overall, just an insanely fun episode. I really hope you like it. If you do, the only thing I ever ask is share it on social media. It helps the podcast grow so much. It means a ton to me. I love seeing the comments and the feedback and just everything. I'm always looking out for it. I'm always sharing. I love seeing you share your favorite clips of the episodes, anything. I'm Andrew underscore FTW. He's Max S-I-O. So M-A-X-X-S-I-O. With that said, let's crack into it. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, 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 get ready, 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 ready for Where Are All My Friends? Friends. The crowd goes wild. The comedy is ripping. Everybody is laughing. The monster trucks are jumping. Dude, that was good. I'm starting with that. Thank you so much. I'm going to cut it in right there. I like that. I like that. Uh, No, but honestly, I'm really honored to be on your podcast. It's great. Um... I appreciate you having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, you know, um, Matthew McConaughey canceled, so this is the best we got. So, hey, man, I'm going to do my best. I know that Matthew McConaughey is a good actor, but where he has the skills in acting, I have the skills in... Well, I don't know. I'm okay at talking. That's actually all the time we have. Thank you so much. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. it's been really great. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, no, for real. I'm very excited to have you because... I mean, we basically grew up in a van together. We've known each other forever. Um, and we always, like we end up just bantering about nothing anyway. And that's what this podcast is all about. But then it's cool because I legit feel like it'll be fun to tell your story. Like as much as we've talked, like we haven't like sat down and just been like, tell me your story starting from here. So it'll be fun for me. And I think that anybody that knows us knows our ridiculous friendship and would probably enjoy listening. Yeah, I think and that's... if you don't, fuck you. Yeah, honestly, what are you even doing here? Why <laughs> did you click on this if you didn't want to be here? No, I'm kidding. Please give me five stars. I need it so bad. So bad. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it'll be cool. I mean, we talk throughout the years, like we've always reminisced on what is continually the good old days, you Dude. know, but uh, and the good old days keep on rolling, but... <laughs> Um, I mean, even before you started this podcast, we always talked about like, man, we should really record these moments. Yeah. Um, cause there's a lot of cool stuff. And even if no one else likes it, it's for us. Dude, so it's yeah. cool that it's finally happening. Exactly. Nice. Like this is legitimately like we would be bantering about this shit anyway. So like, why not record and yeah. have fun with it? But yeah, so I'm stoked on it. I guess normally what I do, uh, well, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, you play drums and set it off. I do. Most that, of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's not all you do. No, I mean, um, I just recently, within the past couple months, I've started um, streaming on Twitch. Which I think is fucking sick. It's really cool. It's nice to see, not that the um, the idea of streaming is like brand new, but it does kind of feel like a new platform. 
um, which is exciting for me. I love seeing like a new way to connect with people and kind of, um, I don't know, give them something different, which yeah. I was really like. Well, because like we always talk about like it happened to us, right? Like we were the young kids and like stick him was out and like we were just like Cody was making YouTube covers and we were just going along for the ride talking to kids on stick cam making we gonna set you off videos and like we were those young kids where it's like those crazy kids and their YouTube mm -hmm. and then like we kind of grew up and like now there's like all sorts of new stuff. That is I didn't even consider that. So for those of you that don't know stick -Am, was like a way back in the day streaming service. Yeah, it was like going live on Instagram or YouTube. Yeah. The um, first one of that. But it's weird that that kind of disappeared yeah. and now has recently or semi-recently come back. Because yeah. Instagram Live is, is still kind of a new thing. Twitch has been around for a minute, but it's just now starting to really, really pick up that momentum. Yeah, there's always like been a place for streaming yeah. live, but it kind of just like shifts. and the art, like The art was lost for a while, and now it's kind of come back better than ever because you yeah. can with I mean YouTube is great because you know you can see these people and see how um, you know their personalities and all that but with streaming you can literally you can connect with them it's happening live they can yeah. react to things you're saying um, and you can actually talk to people which to me it adds a whole nother dimension yeah and like and, now with Twitch too like it's fun where like it would uh, it never really felt too awkward with us when we would just like stream and talk about nothing but <laughs> Now with video games too, you can like play a game that you love and have that common ground and always talk about that mm -hmm. or just go off and talk about whatever. I mean, I remember, I still do it to this day, but um, one of my, some of my favorite memories growing up are like getting all my friends together and someone just got a new game. And even if it's one oh player, just watching them play the game. Oh my God. It's been, it, it was always amazing, you it's know, and so having good. everyone react when something really cool happens or like, you know, when you die and everyone's like, oh man, we were this close. Like. Having that connection through video games, I think, is something that I've always had. And being able to do that now with people all over the world is like, we truly live in the future. We're it's so ripping cool. right yeah. now. Ripping. Yeah. And being able to chill in my living room and be like, let's rip a podcast. Why not? Yeah. We can do anything. These are the things that um, me and you talked about for years like wouldn't it be cool to find a way to do this or yes when the technology exists to do that and now we literally can do that yeah and it's sick and yeah. i love like i love watching you do it too because like that shit's inspiring right like seeing people take advantage of those things because we definitely could have just been that old band shaking a stick at things that we don't understand i mean the feelings mutual i'm literally on your podcast right now that's <laughs> really cool like you have a podcast we did it yeah <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's a little bit about you, and um, I think uh, what else what else is there for anybody that doesn't know you? You've never been to Montana. That's outrageous. You've toured in a band for how long? This this is a podcast of lies. <laughs> Not only have I been to Montana, I've flown into the Montana airport. That's wild because I remember I have this selfie with a buffalo in the Montana airport. I can't remember. Are you in it? I can't believe that they gave a podcast to a guy who's literally never been to an aquarium. Like. <laughs> Funny, are you wearing? Oh, you are wearing socks today. I see you wore I, high socks. I to always just wear prove socks. To me, I always wear socks. socks on this podcast. This guy is trying to gaslight me. He never wears socks. For anybody that's <laughs> listening to it, uh, you can trust me. I'm the host, um, and uh, I've been to an aquarium several. I've been to Montana. I have a selfie in Montana, geotagged, uh, and I'm wearing socks right now. They might be no shows, but I'm wearing them. Yeah, so. the jury's still out on that one. So I don't know how much. How many people listening to this uh, kind of know about the history? But me and you go way back. 
Yeah. Um, the band that I'm in set it off. Uh, I joined in about 2009, 2010. Oh, wait. Yeah, 2010. Um, and you had been a part of that group before I even joined. Yeah. Um, and Are you so, about to tell the story of the day we met? I can. I can tell. So uh, I'm going in for my audition. I'm, I live in Orlando. I lived in Orlando at the time. And Andrew and the rest of the boys lived in Clearwater. So I drove out about two hours um, to go audition for the band for the first time. And I pull up because I'm picking up one of the members, which is yeah. like, what? <laughs> I drove two hours and then I had to pick made, someone up. Yeah, we made you drive to Clearwater and then you had to pick us up. <laughs> yeah. So I get in, I'm picking up one of the members and uh, I've seen pictures of the band. So I know who's all in the band and I've talked to some of them. And this guy comes in. You had a broken, which bone was broken again? My collarbone. His collarbone. So he comes in in like a sling of some kind and he just gets in my car. And I'm like, is this just the friend? Like, you know, I don't know if anyone's seen Scott Pilgrim, but there's a guy that during practices that just sits on the couch. And I was like, who is this jabroni that's just getting in the car? Um, I find out later that you're actually the the tour manager and basically like pseudo manager <laughs> slash mechanic slash business manager. Like you do a little bit of everything for the band. Um, but at the time I was like, stranger just get into just my car in so casual what's up dude <laughs> yeah. you're excited for your audition don't fuck up yeah. it's weird to think you? because um of all of the people that i've met not just through set it off like you have become one of my closest friends and it was almost immediate yeah but i would have never known you know you getting in that car i didn't even know you were going to be there completely so. and to me i was like yeah cool i hope this fucking drummer works we need to figure this out quick <laughs> yeah it's the fourth drummer i believe so yeah, well, that and, like, we were stressing those auditions. Like, we, you sent us a video, um, like, and we we knew that we were like, yo, this kid, like, gets it. Mm -hmm. But we had gone through a bunch of shitty drummer auditions first, so we were just like, please let this kid be good. And then, like, the fact that you put up with our bullshit and picked us up and, like, I think we needed to go to Guitar Center or something for something. Yeah, I let, I let one of the guys take my car because <laughs> <laughs> they forgot something at their house. <laughs> like, we hazed you so hard. Yeah, the private party like before we were officially in the band and somebody knocked a cup off the shelf and uh, everyone at the party looks and like what the hell and like we we're just and it, you didn't do it and we're like dude Max what the hell like I'm sorry about him he's new he's just kind of an asshole I was like can I cuss on here <laughs> yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was another thing where so I had never really been hazed before and I had gone to two years of college um, and I'd actually I took a semester off ended up dropping out to go on this first tour was set it off but with the hazing and everything um, and even just all the lessons that I learned through touring with the band, like it really was my college. Oh yeah. All the experiences that people talk about were like, Oh my God, I can't believe I got into this crazy scenario or like this lesson that I learned from doing dumb shit. Like I learned it from set it off. Like yeah. I went to whatever college you would call that. And we talked about it. Like yeah. when we were like actively on like those van days and all that, we were like, this is like the college of life. But then like, there's a new light of it when you come back and look at it and you're like, Oh yeah, shit. Mm -hmm. That really was. There's a, uh, I'll never forget. And I think, yeah, no, everyone was here for this. Cause we all came together. We were on warp tour. It was 2011. And we, we were the most, not on Warp Tour, but still being on yeah. Warp Tour that you could be. We didn't have laminates. We got uh, like stickers every day. We didn't get yeah, water. Bands, yeah. yeah, we only got Monster Energy to because, drink. Yeah, the people in the truck would give it to us. Yeah, we were on a stage that wasn't on the blow up. Like 
It was the most grindy. We were in a van with no AC. One of the doors was broken. That's like, right. Just really, um, just really going through it. Yeah. And um, we had recently just signed to uh, our first label, Equal Vision, at the time. And we were label mates with We Came As Romans. Yep. And they invited us onto their bus, which I don't think I had ever been on like a real bus before that moment. Um, we, I had never, I don't think I had met the guys before. And we get on there and it's just like, the most crisp, cool oh. AC. They have bunks. We're looking through and we're just, they're being so nice. Like, you want to water or anything? You want anything to drink? And we're looking through and I think someone said something along the lines of like, God, I can't wait until we get this big. And Dave, I believe, came over and grabbed them by the shoulders and said like, this life that you're living right now in the van, you know, getting $3 per diem every day, these are the moments that you're going to remember. When you look back, these are the times you're going to be like, those were the best times of my life, so cherish them. And yeah. I think about that all the time, and he's absolutely right. I know. I mean, we, I remember 4 a.m. at a gas station, all of us huddled, freezing to death, waiting for the gas to be done pumping. And just like, I look back so fondly on those memories. I know. I remember, like, there was one, we're in, like, Mississippi or Missouri. Like, I don't, we were just in, like, some random state that... <sighs> who knows why we were playing a show there and we have no fucking money and we're sitting on the curb and I literally had heated up. I had bought the instant noodles that Zach and I would always eat at a gas station or at a Walmart, mm -hmm. used a gas station's hot water tap to warm it up. And I think I had like $6 on me and we're like sitting on the curb and we were so happy. Like it wasn't even like a thing of this, this sucks. We were just like, we're really living it boys. It's so funny to look back on. And it's funny because normally the way that I do this show, like you kind of transitioned it perfectly, mm -hmm. but like where I like to start is a little bit before that, but like just kind of where you come from. So that's like our early days. We get to know each other and you told that bit of the story, which mm -hmm. is ridiculous, but like a little bit before that. And I'm curious because we haven't talked too, too much about it. Like what was, what was Max before you were in another band, I think, right? I was. Yeah. Take me back to like finding music, I guess. Like what's young you, like where did you find a connection where you're like, yo, like I want to play drums or like where, where was that in your life? So the, the first time I remember listening to music and being like, this is cool. I was, I don't know, I was probably five or six and I was listening to the Beach Boys in my mom's car and I remember being like, this is tight. This is really cool. <laughs> I could get behind yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but I don't think... I think the moment I really fell in love with music was um, growing up socially. Um, I had some issues. I had some anger management. I had trouble making friends. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on at home uh, that might have aided, you know, in those problems. Um, and I don't know. I would just get really frustrated easily. I wasn't really good at anything. I hadn't found anything that I was good at. Um, and I was a bit of a perfectionist in the sense that if I wasn't perfect at something immediately, um, I would like blow up. I would completely shut down. So it made it hard for me to find, um, anything I could really like sink my teeth into for that reason. Uh, I actually found this out later. My dad told me, um, a couple of years ago, but I had a lot of hand-eye coordination issues. I had some dexterity issues. I mean, my handwriting is terrible. I had trouble catching a ball, um, and because of that, all of these activities that other kids were playing, I couldn't play because, one, physically, 
I wasn't able to do it. And mentally, I would get so frustrated that I wasn't good at it that I would just blow up and shut down. Um, and so, so fast forward, I'm about eight years old. Um, I'm carpooling with a friend of mine. He's not driving. We're both eight years old. His mom is driving. <laughs> well, yeah, but in Florida, if you have two eight-year-olds, it's legal. It counts if up. You yeah, you can you can add as long as one's working the pedals and one's steering, then you're fine. Well, it's weird, but it has to add up to sixteen years old. Exactly. Florida, so yeah, eight and eight. Yeah. So it ended up working out. No, his mom was driving us, and uh, we were just listening to the radio. And uh, what's my age again? By Blink One Eighty Two came on, and I had never heard like modern, I guess pop punk music ever at that time i'd heard like acdc and some older artists but this immediately spoke to me and the lyrics were just about like being a kid and just messing around and having a good time um and i was entranced i was obsessed um i remember the second i got home i like ran up to my sister and i was like have you heard of this band blink 182 um she's like yeah i have the cd stole the cd from her and i listened to it nonstop. i mean just on repeat all day. Oh my God. It would Enema never not State? be playing. Enema of the State. And um, I was so fascinated by what the drums sounded like. And it was just loud. And you could tell that they were just hitting hard. And um, I became obsessed with that. And so um, I asked my dad. I was like, hey, Dad, I, I want to play drums. And again, I didn't know this until later. But my dad was very tentative because... I had dexterity issues. I had bad hand-eye coordination. I get frustrated easily. Um, on top of the fact that your kid wanting to play drums, for a parent to let your kid learn how to play drums in the house, even a good drummer, it's annoying to have a drummer in the house, but a bad drummer? Yeah. So I I thank my dad endlessly for basically saying, like, let's give it a shot. Yeah, shouts to Jeff. Like, dang. Yeah. I, I think you hear all these stories of... Um, musicians anyone who's like man my yeah my parents never supported me and i i did it to spite them but my dad was always so supportive of me and i don't think i would be where i was if it wasn't you know for him backing me um and believing in me every step of the way it's just so cool too because like you painted that picture so much of like this kid that gets angry when he can't get stuff done and like it's the perfect storm of not like being good or sounding like you're not going to be good at drums so to have him be like all right cool a drum set's expensive it's loud as shit and annoying my kid's probably going to get annoyed and to still be like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you found that at such a young age. Yeah, I, I, I got my first drum kit at 10, um, which is wild that they were able to find a drum set small enough for me at the time. Um, the reason he tells me that he thought it might be a good idea was that I was diagnosed with ADHD at a young age. And back then, I was off the walls. Like, I was never sitting still. And so his thought was like, well... Even if he sucks at it and he never ends up, you know, doing anything with it, at least it'll be a productive way to blow off some energy oh, and, you know, maybe blow off some steam and he'll get tired and go to bed. I don't know. Um, but uh, he picked one up for me. Hold on. <laughs> That's my dog. Crash too. <laughs> He's is... coming in hot. What's he got? <laughs> hey, pupper. You got the zoomies. <laughs> what up, pupper? Um... Hold on, I'm gonna I'm leaving it in. Down. This is adorable. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I just got a dog, which um, is a huge bucket oh, wait, list moment for me. Hands. Get out of here. Yeah, he's still a puppy, so he's biting. But uh, I got a dog, Crash, and I've always wanted my very own dog, and I finally got one about a month ago. You gonna? You should go around. What's he? He's <laughs> trying to jump on all of the podcast things. There we go. 
Okay, you good? Are you done? Oh, that was a good bite. Wait, ask him what a tree does. Hey, uh, Crash, what does does a tree do? He just bit me. Bark. It, It barks. He can do that part. Here, take this. There we go. <laughs> Whoo! I like that. I like leaving those things in the podcast because it's like, oh my god, they're just hanging out. Crash yeah, is here. No, no, it's real. I have to bring my dog with me um, because he's still a puppy and he can't be unsupervised and he will destroy everything. Yeah, but he's mad cute. Yeah, tiny but mighty. You know what they say. Uh, <laughs> here he goes. Um, All right, so yeah, you were saying that you get your drum set, you had ADHD, mm-hmm. and your dad's thinking like, damn, this is maybe a way, a perfect way to just have him have like an outlet. Yeah. And um, I would love to tell you that from then on, I dedicated myself and became the world's best drummer and everything turned out fine. But uh, I got frustrated. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Playing drums is one of the biggest learning curves. How do I explain this? Like the first year of playing drums is so much harder than the rest because what you're doing with your body, I can't think of another activity that you use your body in the same way. Yeah. You're flailing all of your arms and legs around all over the place, but it has to be the right kind of technique or it won't sound good or you'll hurt yourself. So there's a lot of things. And, and you're 10 years old being like, what the fuck? I yeah. Don't wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to follow these rules. Like I just want to play drums. Exactly. You, you, you watch all these drummers and you're like, oh my God, they're going crazy. When in reality, if you want to be good, it requires all this discipline and you have to sit there with a practice pad and just work on rudiments, just right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left for hours a day if you want to get good. And that's boring. Yeah. So I got frustrated and I stopped playing um, until I was about 14. Oh. Um, And I started high school and I had these friends of mine who were big Beatles fans. Okay. And so we started this like, Beatle-esque band called The Clergyman. Um, super easy stuff. You know, just your basic rock beat, things like that. I love a good rock beat. I'm yeah. very familiar. Oh, yeah. The old uh, the old snare on the two and fours. Love. I always say that a snare on a two and a four is... It's just rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Side note, um, when Andrew was touring with us, every now and again I'd be setting up the drums to play the show and Andrew would walk up like he had something very important to tell me. And then he would throw coins on my snare drum and say, snare some change. Uh, He did that often. Wow, I forgot about that. I am a funny guy. He's a funny guy. That's why he's got his own podcast. Um, They don't just give these to anyone. (laughs) You can't just start one, okay? They have to go meet with Apple, and they're like, what's your best joke? And I'm like, oh, well, actually, back in the day, my buddy played the drums, and I was set, and we would set them up, and I'd throw some change on there, and I'd look at him real smart-like and say, snare some change. The whole board lost it. Instant hit. Funding for a year. I'm rich. <laughs> we just, I just, you just told your whole life story there. We did it. We got to the root of it. I really appreciate being on your show. I told oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um Wow. The clergyman, two and four beats on the rock, on the yeah. boots and cats. Oh, right. So s- super simple. Um, and we were actually like, we got to play some shows. I mean, we were playing at like local coffee shops and things. And that kind of re-sparked my love for playing music again. And especially playing music live. Because that was something that I hadn't really experienced. I had tried to do some other bands. Um, but again, like I just didn't have the discipline 
and we also just weren't good. Yeah. So um, that really sparked. I tried some other things before that, and I think I ended up coming back to it. Like I got into a big Jinko jeans phase, and I tried to skateboard. Mm. But I, the problem was that I, both those phases happened at the same time. <laughs> and trying to skateboard in Jinko jeans doesn't end well. So I fell like 16 times, and I was like, this, this hurts, and I hate it. Um, so again, drumming was the only thing I could find that I was actually like good at. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really an option of like, oh, maybe I'll try this or that. It was only drumming. So I ended up finding my way back to it. And I fell in love with performing live. Um, and we did that for a long time. I mean, most of my high school career was playing Beatles songs, That's which is weird so to funny. think where I'm at now because I, have, I haven't played a Beatles song in years and like i so. feel like we've we don't really like you don't come back and listen to the beatles a bunch it's not like i see you as like some crazy huge beatles fan i like, do like the beatles yeah I, I i do appreciate them um and i think that's another thing that i i'm glad that i did because a lot of people a lot of younger people especially myself included um when i was growing up it was like pop punk is it I will only listen to Sum 41, Blink-182, and The Offspring, and everything else is stupid. Yeah. If it's not fast, I hate it. Yeah. And um, having that closed mind, I blocked myself off from so many opportunities for inspiration. And so that was one of the first times where I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like, it, they don't have to have mohawks for it to be awesome. And, oh, that's kind of uh, cool, actually, yeah. Like, yeah. you learn, like, a good foundation yeah. by... And through that, like, I found Queen... Um, and then I went down this whole eighties route where I like saw a bunch of hair metal. Like I saw you know, started listening to guns and roses, um, started listening to ACDC, just kind of went down the rabbit hole of, I, I found the artists that I loved and then I found out who their inspirations were. And then I found out who their inspirations were and went completely backwards. That's like that deep dive shit though. That's when you mm -hmm. know that you love what you do and you're obsessed because like when you can't get enough of it and you're like, all right, if my favorite band's like this, then I'm going to find that. And then you keep going. There's something, and it's something that I've been trying to chase for a while is the feeling I used to get when I would discover a new band for the first time or oh. my favorite band would release a new song or they would tease their first new thing. They're, that rush you would uh. get. Um, and I don't know if it's because I've gotten older or I've gotten used to it or it's because I've peeked behind the curtain and I'm, I'm in the industry now, but it takes a lot for that feeling to come back um, from another artist. I know. Um, I found it in different ways, obviously, like performing live and things like that, but there's something so pure about not knowing the politics behind something and I just know. going i love this band i love this song yep i love this music oh, video God. and just immersing yourself into that world and finding other people that feel the same way i know um, i feel like working in music like even though it's hard to get that feeling yourself i always remind myself of how magical that is and i try to put myself in those shoes like when i'm setting up a release for an artist where i'm like okay how can it feel crazy for a kid that still has that spark mm -hmm. and it, it's it's also amazing to know that for other people, they're experiencing that spark for the first time. And to be able to be that first spark, yeah. I mean, I hear people who are like, yeah, I never really listened to rock, and then I listened to set it off. That, I get the feeling yeah. vicariously yeah, through like, them. Yeah. It's um, so sick. It still doesn't feel real anytime. You know, I hear stories like that. But that's so sick. That's something that no matter, no matter 
you know, I love movies and I've never gotten that feeling from a movie. It's mm-hmm. only ever been music. That's cool. Like, I guess I didn't realize that it really was that early in your life that it was so much of like, oh, this is my thing. Yeah. This is totally my thing. It was really, and you hear this a lot from a lot of, a lot of people because it's true, but, um, it really was my escape. Uh, growing up, my, my parents fought a lot like most parents do. Uh, they ended up getting divorced. Um, my mom ended up passing away when I was about nine. And so all of this is happening and it's, it's hard to process as an adult still, but as a nine year old kid, having all of that happen, um, is, I couldn't, I remember the feeling of the first time feeling overwhelmed. Like this is too much for me to process and having bands and this music of people who are saying, Hey, I'm going through the same thing. Or even on the flip side of, Hey, here's a stupid song about nothing just to kind of make it a little less heavy. Um, it was everything. I mean, and I still to this day, like when I'm stressed or uh, something bad is happening, there's always a song. There's always an artist um, that I can listen to that can, even if only for a second to kind of like take my mind off of it. Um, it's so powerful. That's and it, sick. it, I feel like it's said so much that it's a cliche, but like there's a, such a big connection with humans and music. Yeah. That's cool that you found it that early. I love that. Like, I guess I didn't know that much of how, like how much weight it held to you. Cause I always knew that you played and all that, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that like you felt like such an outlier up or like an outcast until you found that. So then, okay. So take me to like right before we meet. So you're in high school playing in bands. You're starting to get the feel for that, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And then you did a little bit of college. Didn't you dropped out to do set it off, right? Yeah. So this, this part was, um, the first time that I realized that the music industry, I mean, I've se- I'd seen like VH1 behind the musics where they were like, my manager, he, he took all my money, you know? So that was such a bad accent. Don't put <laughs> it was, in there. I was about to, I was so excited for it. I was like, Oh mate, which, which documentary were you watching there? Just, you always hear like, Oh man, the music industry is so slimy and they're going to take advantage of artists and blah, blah, blah. But you know, up until then I was just, in high school playing, there was no stakes, yeah. you know? Um, but I knew that I always wanted to do it for a living. And I met this guy I went to school with named Jared. Jared Hera, who to this day still is one of the greatest guitarists that I um, have ever met or yeah. ever heard. Yeah, yeah. And his story in a nutshell, there's so much more. There's actually an HBO special about it. Um, Wait, you're not kidding, mate? No, I'm there's actually an up. HBO. I know, it sounds, it's called <laughs> Blindsided. Um, and it's about this kid, Jared. Yeah. He was a very, very good hockey player. Yeah. Um, he was, I think he was like 11 or 12 and around puberty, around 12 or 13, he went blind in one eye completely. Yeah. And the other eye started following suit. And so by the time he was about 14 years old, he was completely blind. So he couldn't play hockey anymore. And he you know, was dejected and didn't know what to do. Yeah. And he decided to pick up a guitar and he started learning yeah. by ear and by feel. Yeah. Couldn't look at tabs, you know, and became incredible at it. And I, I mean like eight finger tapping, sweeping. This kid's like 16 yeah. and he's just destroying it. Um, it's an amazing documentary. Uh, so check it out if you get a chance. But uh, 
I ended up starting a band with him. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And uh, we found this bassist from a different school, and we went through a couple singers, but we finally found a singer. Yeah. His name was Zach. And uh, we were managed by Jared's dad, which I don't know. We, we, we make jokes about it a lot, but there is some a phrase that we like to use called dadager, yeah, good old which dadager. is good meaning parents yes. that are trying to do right by their children, yep. but they know nothing about the music industry. So they end up getting used by these people who are like, oh, here's a guy who will give me a bunch of money to do nothing, yeah. um, which is unfortunate. But this guy, his, his heart was in the right place. You know, he wanted his son to succeed. And we, we, it was the first time I, I'd been in a band that picked up momentum. I mean, we were selling out um, local venues for anyone that's in Orlando native, the social. We were like selling out the social, which oh, was one yeah. of my so favorite you, venues. You were like doing pretty well. We were doing locally. We Social's were doing great. Like 500 kids? Yeah, it was yeah, good. That's sick. We were called Sound Cannon, which, God, it was a terrible name. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Sometimes no. people are too embarrassed to say what the names no, were. No, it was a bad name, but... Um, the, uh, the music was good. We yeah. had an EP. We recorded it with James Paul Wisner. Who oh, did, shit. Yeah, who did um, that Under Oath EP that everyone loves. He yeah. did a lot of work with There for Tomorrow. It's an amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, amazing um, producer and engineer. So we were like doing it right. Yeah. And um, Zach, the guy that we found, he was originally from New York, and we did these auditions, and he came in. But he, he was an amazing singer, but he was a little off. Mm-hmm. He was kind of erratic and just strange um like one time we were all hanging out drinking and he jumped into a lake and was screaming for alligators to come fight him Uh like he would just kind of like go manic sometimes yeah so it was something we could you know we could handle we could figure it out so uh we get our first big break we get to play with there for tomorrow at the back booth who to this day like Big there for tomorrow, fan. I think we they're playing like, a reunion show, and we toured with them later. With we did, yeah, yeah. which was another like full circle moment. But they were like the biggest band in Orlando at the time. And uh, after that, we were going to play something called Loco Fest, which ended up being stupid, but <laughs> it looked like a big deal. I think like Stained was headlining. Yeah, it was one of those. Again, there's a lot of ways that people scam um, smaller artists, and this was one of them where they go, "Hey, you can play this." thing with stained if you promote or buy buy onto the thing and it turns out you play at uh 8 a.m before doors and then stained plays at 11 p.m yeah, yeah, yeah so just one of the things to look out for if you're an, a young artist but anyway so we had like oh my god we had two shows in a row that were supposed to be big this is incredible and we play the show at there for tomorrow it's sold out we're signing stuff for the first time we're selling merch yeah things are going great um and afterwards, we all go home. We're like, all right, we got to get up early because tomorrow we're heading to Loco Fest. Yeah. Uh, morning comes and Zach isn't answering his phone. Um, and we're all together. And like I said, Zach was kind of a strange, kind of off the grid guy. So we go to his house and his car's there. And um, again, not answering his phone, not answering the door. And so uh, our manager breaks down the door, goes in and... Um, Zach had taken his own life. Uh, to this day, I'm not. I'm not sure why. I don't know what was going on. Oh but apparently, he had some some demons that uh, you know he he didn't tell anyone about. Dude, it just all clicked so hard because I remember we we had always talked, and I knew that you had a friend around that time that had ended his life, mm-hmm. and 
I didn't, it didn't connect to me that he was in the band and it was that close. I was always just like, oh yeah, Max had a close friend. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Dude, you have dealt with, what the fuck? Yeah, it, it's one of those. So, uh, the feeling that I got when I found out that my mom took her own life, I didn't think that I was ever going to feel that. It's an overwhelming like too many emotions to process you just kind of go blank face yeah your mind completely just empties um i never thought i was going to feel that again and receiving that news even though as he's breaking into this house trying to trying to find him i i had a feeling you know yeah. you kind of just know it was still like i can't believe i'm experiencing this feeling again um and the band tried to continue on we found another singer uh but you could tell that some of the members like weren't processing it well and that's this is a weird thing to experience but knowing how to handle it or or having handled it before yeah makes it easier when it happens to you again that's so fucked up to say and i literally don't yeah. i can't relate but i understand it's that like that feeling of if you have walked through hell, then you're like battle tested. If you came out on the other side, then you're ready, you're prepared for more. I'm just so fucked up right now because like I remember meeting you and all of the shenanigans we just started talking about in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Like we're like, we're like, yeah, I'm like the random broken collarbone kid and like you're the kid that we're fucking with. And I have no idea like you've dealt with all this fucking life and we're like, hey, new guy, <laughs> good job knocking that cup off the chair. Like, Holy shit, I didn't know yeah. that it was that heavy. I mean, that's another another thing that people say that's sometimes a cliche, but it's very true is like if someone's if someone's being like rude or whatever, like you have to be very careful with how you uh communicate with people because you have no idea what those people have been through. That's you know? Like I didn't insane. know anything about you guys. I had no idea, you know, the trials and tribulations that you had gone through and uh Yeah, it's just it's wild, but that's fucking insane i did not yeah. know that you had dealt with that heavy of life before we all met I, I i'm not i'm not saying that i um am glad it happened you know because i don't i'm not i i wish that none of that had ever happened and i wish that i never had to deal with anything that heavy but when something like that happens to you at such a young age um, and you're able to process it, take the time to figure out what it means. It puts everything in perspective. Yeah. And it has allowed me to appreciate the little things and also to, um, it taught me that you never know what, what someone's going through and to keep a close eye on your friends. Cause it's, it's little things that maybe if I had, you know, known, yeah, I would have paid more attention to and yeah. maybe could have done something. And it's something that I think about in the future is like, if you don't see a friend for a while, something as small as like, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, you want to you want to hang out? Even if they say no, just knowing that they're there, those things. Um, if there's any sort of silver lining to take from that is like. It has made me appreciate the good so much more. That's so nuts. Yeah. And it's also crazy for me, like starting this podcast, like I didn't really know what to expect. Like all I wanted to do was hear people's stories. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like, okay, cool. You're clearly very successful now or you've accomplished your, in your lane, you're doing it. And like, you know, it's, 
I don't really have like a meter of you have to be this or that, but mm-hmm. it's people that I really respect, like killing it in their respective craft. And I had no idea what to expect and hearing the different stories and like the range of what people have come from and overcome to get to where they're at. It's never just as simple as like, Oh, I like drums. I practiced mm-hmm. like the amount of like, Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, this is even, this is even all before, um, joining set it off. Right. But- one of the biggest thing we talk we talk about this all the time. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from being in Set It Off is something bad happens, right? And any number of you name it, any number of bad things, they've all happened to Set It Off. We've been robbed, we've been sued, we've had shows canceled, car accidents, car ac- totaled car accidents, or I van mean, accidents, yeah. like van wrecks. We like any anything you can imagine, any like horror story that you have heard from a band set it off has been through yeah. and we do the same thing every time yep. we allow ourselves to be upset about it for what however long it takes 10 to 30 minutes yeah. and then we go all right what's the plan which is to me the best possible way to handle it because you see all these like inspirational instagram things that are like never let yourself get down you know yeah. only focus on the good and like that's not how life works man no. you have to process that what just happened sucks but what, you know? like it is so magical and like I'm so thankful like we were saying like set it off was college of life for us mm-hmm. and I, I will never be more thankful and grateful that I grew up and went to college with us as a mm-hmm. group because we all had our own little superpowers and together we brought out the best of each other and like I was so sheltered and I was so awkward and I didn't really know how to express myself And I didn't know, like, I didn't know my compass of, like, what was okay to express and what not to. And when we were all together, I think we fed off that energy. So, like, I remember so well that van accident in Germany where, like, our driver rear ends a car. The van is totaled. I got slammed into the passenger seat. Like, I was fucked up. And we were, like, sitting there. And we all were, like, fuck, this is heavy. And then, like, we process it, and if it had just been one person, you probably would have, like, buckled under the stress. But together, we're like, all right, like, we're, there's nothing we can't get through. And then, like, we process it, and I would say 10 minutes after that. Maybe less, yeah. We're in the van singing. We're like, we had our joke boy band, the Six American Boys. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, is that the Six American Boys? <laughs> That's And we were singing Fart Out the Window, which yeah. was, of course, the hit song. A made-up song that we had just made 10 minutes before. It's It's... And it was like such a joke, yeah. but like the lesson in that is so powerful. Like where like, I am so thankful to have that process, how fucking heavy this is mm-hmm. and then move on and make the best of it. For, for being musicians and not comedians, <laughs> having the humor, even if it's just <laughs> funny to us, you do it for the jokes. We, I mean, we, me and Zach recently, like, cause again, like trials and tribulations keep happening, right? Struggles keep happening. And <laughs> me and Zach have this saying that's, uh, if you don't make jokes, it becomes too real. Like <laughs> you can't take it too seriously. And I think that's one of the biggest things for set it off is, and I'm not trying to brag, yeah. but I truly feel this way that like your average band, if they had gone through all the things that set it off had gone through, probably would have broken. Oh up. dude, no, there's no chance. Yeah. Like I've literally, I've managed other bands now. I've worked with other bands. I've branched out yeah. and I'll be like, oh man, no, like we, we dealt with the worst. Yeah. So having... A, a, a group a safety net of like man this sucks i would love to laugh right now holy shit it it's amazing and it was yeah. so natural right i mean is right yeah. it's still everybody hangs out we're good but like those like early days and just like all of that like we fed off of each mm-hmm. other and it just taught us that lesson of like 
I don't know. So was that crazy for you then? Because my next question, which segues perfectly, is mm -hmm. like, okay, so you get to meeting us. Yeah. You've been through all this shit. Mm -hmm. We don't know your life. Like, you're just guy that was good at drums. I love the callback that your audition video was Anthem Part 2 by Blink-182. Oh, yeah. It was because, well, so... It was Anthem Part 2, right? It was. Yeah. So you guys put out a list of things that you wanted. It was one, uh, a video of uh, us... I'm sorry, a video of me doing... A set it off song, a video of me doing any cover song, a yeah. video of me doing a freestyle drum solo, and yep. then a video of just me talking to see my personality. And I was thinking, like, what's the most impressive drum thing that's still kind of within the set it off world? And yeah. I love that verse of Anthem Part Two because it's just kind of all over the place. Um, I was really proud of that. When I finished Dude. it, I was like, I, I nailed Dude. it. Dude, and so we good. all, like, we watched it and we're like, Fuck, that's sick like it was sick Hell but yeah. i love like i didn't know how important blink 182 was to you so the fact that you did that as your audition video is like a little easter egg of max that yeah. holds even more weight where i was sick but the question i was going to ask you is like you clearly come from this crazy different life you've dealt with all sorts of shit you're just meeting us did it feel different like what was your like initial emotion of like did you instantly know like yo this is it i'm gonna do this or like what did that feel like to then find set it off and like take that seriously? You mean, uh, this is it. I'm going to do this as far as what, joining set it off. Or? Correct. Like you clearly auditioned for the band. Mm -hmm. You took it seriously enough. Um, did it instantly, do you have a feeling instantly of like, yo, I'm in or like, what was, cause I don't know. Right. Like what are your initial thoughts? Like you meet us fucking ragtag kids. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different ways to, to fuel yourself, right. To like, achieve your dreams and that band that i was telling you about after we found our new singer uh we went on this tour uh and that fell apart and things just weren't going well for the band right and i i wanted to make it i wanted to take it to the next step and i didn't think that this was going anywhere so i started asking around um if anyone knew anyone that needed a drummer and looking back i understand now why they were so upset but at the time, I was like, what? It's my life. I can do what I want. But this guy, this manager who had put all of this time and money, money. Oh, into he was this. one of those like investor managers. Yeah. 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 He put all this time to, to hear that the drummer of his son's band is asking around saying, hey, I don't want to be in this band anymore. I want to start a new one. Yeah. Got very upset with me. Yeah. Um, and so he shows up to my house mm -hmm. with uh, my drum set, which was at his house at the time. And he yeah. goes, hey, so long story short, uh, we all talked about it and you're no longer in the band. Oh, you got kicked out. And then, oh, I got kicked out. You got kicked out. And then he threw my drums on the side of the road and peeled out, just drove off. Stop. Yeah. Movie peeled out. Yeah. And so for the first time since I was 14, I wasn't in a band. Whoa. And it was, I was, we kept, we, we kept using the phrase free agent, but it was terrifying. Yeah. And I remember talking to my dad and being like, dad, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what the next step is. And um, he told me, something that sticks with me to this day Let's is go. the best revenge is simply success. And I thought, yeah, I could give it all up, but then he wins. Yeah. I was so frustrated. Yeah. I was so mad and it felt so unfair to me at the time that I was like, you know what? He's right. And so within about a month through a mutual friend, yeah. I ended up being able to audition for you guys and the audition process went well and you guys were like, yeah, we're going to take you out on tour. Yeah. Um, and so within a month after getting kicked out of a band, I was in a full U.S. touring band. And that was the most satisfying feeling. It was just wow. like, 
I did it. I knew that I had it in myself to reach that next level. Not even selfishly, but like in the beginning, it wasn't really about us or like what the personalities were. Like you were on your journey. You were Mm -hmm. just like, yo, like I love music. I don't want to let this go. I'm at this rough spot. I need to make this work. Honestly, the the first time I saw like pictures of everyone, because I wanted to be in a, in like a punk band. I wanted to be in a, in a Blink-182, like tattoos everywhere and all that, even though I didn't have tattoos. Yeah. But like I wanted to be in that type of band. So when I first saw pictures of Set It Off, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit for me. I'm not really sure. Because we were a very like neon pop at that point. Very right? like, yeah, that, that classic um, everything is bright colors kind of look. Yep. Almost like to, boy bandy. Choose your color American apparel hoodie white belt bright neon Mm t-shirt that and i was like i don't know if it's a good fit for me and i was like let me check out the music so i'm listening and i listen to pages and paragraphs i'm like this is pretty good and then the entire next day it was stuck in my head all day and i was like well that that's probably a good sign that i like this i like this band that i should be more open-minded and thank god i did because it's literally a perfect fit i couldn't have joined a better band um for me and so met you guys, went on that first tour. Yeah. And up until I joined Set It Off, I was so socially awkward. I couldn't talk to people yeah. at all. I was yeah. super to myself. And I'm, I don't know if you remember, but like those first two weeks on that tour, I didn't talk to anyone. You were so awkward, but we thought you were just scared. Yeah. Well, I was. I, was, I, I didn't want to screw up because mm-hmm. this was my big shot. And then also like, I didn't know you guys. You all had your connections and I didn't know anything yeah. um, or how to like weave my way in. And I remember we were at a Burger King <laughs> and uh, we're, we're all eating. We're finishing up eating because we can only eat off the dollar menu, which we were kings of figuring out Holy how to get the shit. most out of a dollar menu. Oh my God. My chicken salad, mm-hmm. my chicken nugget oh, dollar side salad. So good. Used to get uh, a McDouble. Mm-hmm. And then ask for Mac sauce on the side, That's and then you just right. make a Big Mac for a dollar. Yeah. That was the Zach amazing. Mac. Yeah, I don't think we ever called it the Zach Mac. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we're but uh, we're we're finishing up, and Zach goes, "Hey, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette. You wanna come outside?" It's like, yeah. So we're sitting there. Takes a long drag of a cigarette, and goes, "You're not being yourself, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Absolutely not. I'm so nervous. Holy I don't know what to do." Shit, Zach, and he was like, course. "Yeah, that's fine." So he's like, "He's like, you like anything else other than music?" And I was like, eh, "Basketball's okay. I kind of like basketball." So we talked about that and for whatever reason, like that conversation was so disarming that I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Um, Damn. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And so that conversation with him made me more comfortable around you guys. And then back then we were so desperate to make any amount of money for gas to get to the next show that we had to go out after every single performance and try and sell CDs. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know how to talk to people. So... I was kind of thrown into the deep end of, all right, here's some CDs. You have to go out and sell CDs or else like you're not going to make any money. So you have to figure it out. And so that taught me how to talk to strangers, Yeah. which I'm 21, 20, Mm -hmm. 21 at the time. Like it took me that long to figure out how to like be comfortable starting a conversation. I can't believe you're saying that because I look back at those days and like early set it off days for us and that was a huge one for me too. Like learning how to talk to people and being so insanely comfortable and shameless about just being yourself. And like I had known, I had worked a sales job, so I I was familiar with that, but it felt fake and unnatural. And I think just like that support and like that you're forced to be yourself and own it. And the fact that we were all together and there was never the chance of being made fun of. 
you could be you could wear the most ridiculous shit you could say the worst thing you could have the worst night of selling cds but internally like our pack like our i guess six at the time was like an invincible like safe space where we just had each other's backs and we would always gas each other up and that was fucking awesome to me like that if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd be the person I was. So it's crazy that yeah. you had a that too. It's what people describe when they're talking about like family. Yeah. When they're like, oh, it's the support system that would do anything for you. And it's it's where you feel comfortable and it's where you feel at home. Like our home was in that van Dude. with all of us. We could have had the worst day possible. And Invincible. at the end of it, yeah, we're still like, well, we've got each other. I feel great. Yeah. I, I've never, yeah. and like to this day, and maybe every band that knows each other super well, but like, again, I've worked with other bands and all that, but like what we had that bond, us looking out for each other, like that was fucking special. Th that, and that's something that I didn't know until we moved out to LA, the band all ended up moving in together mm -hmm. and we had so many people being like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Um, because apparently, and I didn't know this, yeah. but a lot of bands don't actually like each other. They're just there to like, yeah, let's let's get the job done. Right. Let's finish tour and then let's not talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. Yeah. We lived together for a while. It was fine. Yeah. You know, no fights or anything. And so I think. And that's always been the theme, right? Like it, it, there was never that thing like, yeah, we'd come home from tours and be like, all right, yeah, let's hang out with our other friends and all that. Mm -hmm. But like we would hang out so much together and it never got old. Yeah. Like it was just fun i think that's what everyone assumes all bands are like and they're not yeah where i'm very lucky I'm it's very, a weird very lucky. sad fucked up thing to learn <laughs> yeah and maybe our naivety being naive to that fact i hope is that the right word i think naivety. so but like being naive to that was probably a benefit to us because when we started to get success we're like this is fucking magic and we're doing this for our best mm -hmm. friends and other bands were probably pissed because they're like these fucking wide-eyed kids well that i think we also did it the right way all of the the traps because set it off has made almost every mistake in the book right yeah, but I'd say, yeah there were a couple very important decisions that we made that i think preserved the band where the biggest thing people end up breaking out breaking uh breaking up over is like personal reasons yeah and not just music and anything is money yeah and before we ever made any money we had a discussion like this is how we want to do it are we all in agreement? cool yeah and so Talking about those things candidly, even though it can be scary to talk about, um, ends up saving you in the long run because I would hate for something like to lose a best friend over money. That's so dumb. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's funny that you say that because even like, because I ended up leaving in 2014 and it wasn't like some like bad blood thing. I think people were like expecting for there to be like, oh, what's the drama? You guys were so close. And it was like so much just like, nah, like we all just want to rip and be successful in our own regard. And like for me, like I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, like I took on fucking everything. And like for that reason, I got like overly stressed and it was awkward. And I was like, well, I don't ever want to get in the way of my friends. And like we kind of just realized that we could all still be successful in our own lanes and I could go do the stuff I loved. So it's funny. We did have those core values of like, that shit was never going to shake us. Yeah, that, that was a weird one because, you, you mean, whenever someone ends up leaving, like you said, it's usually on bad terms, but it was such a, at least from my standpoint, it felt like you wanted to do, you wanted the ability to do other things, right? Totally. And so being in Set It Off was like a little bit pigeonholing. Right. Even though you loved it, like, yeah. oh, I hate this job, but it's like, I want to try this and I want to try that. Yeah. And this takes up too much time. 
and it was a simple conversation of like, hey, I want to do that. And yeah, I was like, well, okay, cool. Because I was so excited about managing. And it's like, here's this weird thing where you grow up with your friends and then like you want to be a manager more than anything. And it's like to step to the role of managing, like if I were to have managed that off, that would have been weird. Because then all of a sudden like I'm getting paid as a manager and I'm like, not above my best friends, but like it's a different role. Mm -hmm. And that's weird. And we all just like acknowledged that. We were like, yeah, that's awkward, huh? And like, then it was just like, all right, well, I don't want to screw you guys over. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, we want you to like succeed and do your thing. But yeah, it wasn't weird at all. And like, we stayed yeah. boys. And it was like at the end of a tour when there was plenty room to like replace myself. And it was always like, even still, even though I'm not touring with y'all and all that, it still feels like family. Yeah. And anytime we're together, it's just like, oh, hell yeah, you're doing your thing. You're good. Sweet. Yeah, that's a bond. That's I don't insane. Think that's going away. That's I, fucking insane. Yeah, it, it's uh, we kind of had to make up our own rules in that regard because, at least to my knowledge, with other artists that I've seen, is like your title was tour manager, but you were doing things that a manager would do. Yeah, and so technically you were our manager, but yeah. also our tour manager and like a <laughs> member of the band. So it was like <laughs> this weird like. I don't know where to go from here because there's no blueprint. Yeah. So, um, but honestly, story of my life, right? Yeah. Like, when am I not like being like, well, I'm excited about this, this, and this? Anyway, this is a podcast about you, and I have a lot of set it off questions and things. So, that's crazy that that was your initial start to set it off and that conversation with Zach. What, like, I'm so intrigued at just your experiences as a person as we accomplished things. Because I know mine, and I know probably some of them are similar, but, like, that's your first impression of the band. When did you feel, like, when was your, like, this is it? I'm fully fucking in, and this is the best. I think uh, I, I had committed 100% the second that you guys were like, yeah, you're in the band. Cool. I didn't, like I had mentioned growing up, like, I hadn't, there wasn't anything else that I knew I was good at. And... It sounds like it's a negative, but it's not in the sense that like it made my life easy. I was like, I only have one choice it's yeah. to follow this music thing. Yeah. So the second that happened, I was fully in. And I remember calling my dad and saying, uh, yeah, so I'm in the band. So I think I'm going to try and take some time off college. And my dad has always been very supportive, but he was very adamant about me going to school. And so this call was like, I'm terrified because regardless I was going to drop out but I wanted to make sure that we were on the same page he took a minute took a deep breath and was like if this is what you want to do you have to commit to it fully because otherwise you're going to live the rest of your life wondering what if you can always go back to school if it doesn't work out but you have to do this shout to fucking Jeff <laughs> I was like I have the coolest dad in the world I was Holy so like shit. huge sigh of relief and having that vote of confidence was like, let's go. Like, let's fucking go. Um, I remember it hyping me up so much. Um, so from then on, I have always been in set it off 110%. And I think that's part of the reason why no matter what stupid stuff we end up going through, like at one point in our careers, we had uh, in the same day, we ended our contract with our label and got dropped from our management and our booking oh at the same day. And so, like, Holy. again, that's one of those things that anyone else would have been like, 
That's it. Yeah, that's it. We yeah. should probably just hang it up. But I, to me, that's not an option. Like, it's not an option to just be like, eh, had a good run. And from then on, we came back bigger than ever. That, that was the start. To me, that was the start of the midnight era. That was us being like, okay, let's figure it out. Um, and it ended up being our most successful release yet. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So it's always been 110%. There's never been a time in my life where I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this or my heart's not in it. There's times when I get frustrated. There's times when I get jaded, when I get upset at the way things work or, you know, we, we, what do we call it? Band jealous. When mm-hmm. you see other artists getting things or getting publicity and you're like, well, I want that. Yeah. There was a time uh, back when the APMAs were a thing. Oh, Alternative yeah. Press used to do this award show. And it's our it's the first one, and we get there, and there's a red carpet, and on the all the way down the red carpet, there's people taking photos of you and interviewing you, and we're waiting in line for the red carpet, and uh, we see our friends, and they're another band, and they're like waving at us from the red carpet, and we're like, <laughs> cool, we're about to walk up, and then someone goes, yeah, just right this way, and they we- had us walk behind the red carpet <laughs> so that no one could see us because they didn't deem us worthy of walking the red carpet, God. and I remember being like. Being upset, yeah, and then also thinking like, success is the best revenge. Like, yeah, I'm going to show everyone that we're worth walking on this red carpet. Um, yeah, and we were like dressed to the nines too, weren't we? We were so excited. We didn't know that we weren't walking the red carpet until we got to the red carpet. Holy, it was so frustrating. It's this weird mix of like you're so proud of of your friends in the same world because when one of us succeed, all of us succeed. Anytime you can get eyes on this this world it's a win right yeah but part of you is always going to be like that'd be cool if i was doing that yeah you know and uh recently this this record cycle was the first time i think i got that feeling of like i think i'm on the other side i think there's things that are happening to us that other bands are going to be like that's cool i'm happy for them kind of wish that was me and that's that felt good yeah like that's and i love to hear that honestly right like it's like weird to like talk about yourself or brag about that but like jesus dude after having lived it like the six dollars in your wallet eating fucking noodles on a curb feeling it living it to watching it turn into the most successful release and seeing these opportunities happen for the band it's like yeah it's about fucking time like yes it feels good but i love hearing like your commitment because i remember from my perspective one of the first things i noticed about you was because of cody doing covers and because of us being so good at like always being on the internet we had a decent following at the time for the size of the band and you were new to it. And even the way that you looked at social media, you were like, I'm committing fully to this. Like as soon as it clicked, you were just in and it was like, you had fun with it, but it wasn't like a hobby. It was your job. Like every bit of it was your job. And you looked at everything, every show you played, like the way that you put your energy into playing the drums. Like we'd play these shitty shows to no one. And you were still on and you'd hit so hard and everything. So it's crazy to hear where that came from because I've always seen that in you and admired it. And I'm like, what is that? I think that's another, uh, I don't know where I picked it up or who told me this, but um, no matter what, you have to give it your all, right? Because you never know who's going to be there. Even if you make one fan that day, like you don't want that one person who went to your show to be like, well, they didn't really try very hard. Um, there's a story back in my old band where that tour that we went on that I was telling you about, we played in Athens, Georgia, and we played in front of no one. No one came 
And the bartender slash promoter walked out halfway through to smoke a cigarette. And he <laughs> played into an empty room. And we still played the show. <laughs> so that's another one where, like, I hit rock bottom. I can't have less than zero people at the show. So if anyone shows up, then it's better than my worst show. That's so, insane. You literally actually played a show to no one. Played a show to an empty room. And that wasn't the only time because we had shows to no one with Set It Off, too. I remember Detroit, right? Well, I mean, I guess I was there selling merch. And I think Marshall was there. There was a couple weird ones. There was one time we were playing in Canada, and um, it said it was all ages. That's right. And then it wasn't all ages. So there was a bunch like a train set that ran away. along the ceiling. Yeah. Why do I remember that? So we played upstairs at this bar, and there was a couple there, but they weren't there to see us. They were just there to drink. Yes. So they ended up leaving a little bit through. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times we played to like no one or just the, the tour package. Yeah. Um, and for some people, that could be, um, you know, that can be a shot to their ego or that could like really hurt their feelings. But it's kind of fun. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like, well, I can do whatever I want. Actually, at that show, that was this was the first tour I was on. We set it off. Uh, because there was no one there, uh, the other guys decided to play a song that I had never heard before <laughs> called Shh, It's a Secret. And they were like, this next song is called, Shh, it's a secret, let's go. And I just had to figure it out as we were playing the song. Holy shit. That was that show. Um, I didn't realize you had never played that song. I had never heard that song. Oh my God. Great song, That's by the hilarious. way. Check it out. It's on our, uh, Set It Off's debut EP, Baby You Don't Trip a Jaharda. Right. Yeah. Which I believe was for the trivia, and we should know this, it was a messed a Jonas up Brothers Jonas song. Brothers lyric. Yeah. Um, which, full circle. On the latest tour, I did a drum solo, a mashup of a bunch of songs, and that song, Burnin' Up, was in that drum solo. Incredible. Baby, you don't trip a Jaharda. Incredible. Yeah. And of course, Set It Off is about to go on tour with the Jonas Brothers, which is huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me and me and Nick are boys. Yeah. Yeah. Watch us manifest this on the podcast, and it happens, and we're like, at Jonas Brothers, please. I know they're huge fans of the pods. So. Oh, yeah. 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 They they're, they're coming on next, right? You never know who's going to be listening to the pods. It's so true. if you shout the Jonas Brothers out enough, <laughs> they'll be like, wow, they named an album after if us. If you uh, stand in front of a mirror and say Jonas Brothers three times, Frankie Jonas appears in a fedora. <laughs> I've only done it once, but it did work. Yeah. It's weird because then he's like, all right, can I have, a, can I have money for a flight home? You're I like, just didn't oh. know what to say. I was like, oh shit, you're here. Yeah. We like hung out and got lunch. And then I was like, I, I yeah. don't know. Nice enough guy. Yeah. It, it just, worked it, for you too. Yeah. It must be frustrating because like, He's, you know, he's like living his life. He's like making a sandwich and then just appears in someone's house. How many times does that happen in a day? I mean, you, you were, you saw him. You could ask. I forgot to ask. Uh, I didn't ask. Next time. Yep. All right. You answered that one. And I love that. Another, uh, another one that I'm curious of is like, holy shit moments. Cause like they're all along the way, but they're all very unique to you. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a certain crowd or a certain accomplishment. Sometimes it's the smaller stuff. Any holy shit moments that stand out to you? Holy shit moments. Uh, just all of 2015 Warp Tour. Ooh. Um, Set It Off has grinded. And and we were a we were an underground band for a long time. I mean, playing in front of 20 kids and just really struggling, just making our way. And 2015 Warp Tour was the first time it felt like, oh, there's people here. Like, people actually care. Yeah. They're coming to shows. We were getting 
uh, pushed to main stage a lot. Like I was like, oh my God, it's, it's actually happening. Um, that was when, it was a little bit after Duality had been released. Yep. And that album, like, it, it felt like the first time we took a jump as opposed to these incremental crawling movements to get to the top was the first time I was like, oh my God, my head's above water. I cried the first day that uh, set it off as a main stage because by that time I was working at Equal Vision mm-hmm. and I was on the tour just shooting all the Equal Vision bands. And like that day, like, cause I was riding in the set it off bus mm-hmm. and I remember like the main stage and I was like, oh my God. And then like being on that stage, shooting it and seeing it. And even though I wasn't officially a part of it still, I was like, it just hit me so hard. That's crazy that yeah. that was one. That, that's the first one that comes to my mind of like, oh, this is a next level. Uh, more recently, it's rare that in this industry, the farther you get that you're able to like geek out or fanboy. Yeah. Um, because the second you start in music, every other artist is competition, right? Like yeah. you can't, you have suddenly have to stop tweeting about how great all the other bands are because you have to promote your own. Yeah. Um, but I had this moment recently where Rock Sound did a, um, a, a cover album and they oh, let yeah, us choose yeah. the covers. And we chose Feeling This by Blink-182, which oh. I was already like, oh my God, this is huge. Amazing. I love this song. It'll be a cool moment to play a Set It Off song. And um, Cody, if you haven't heard Set It Off, is an amazing vocalist. Um, but I had never heard him do a kind of shouty punk style before. Yeah. Where the, the, all the verses in Feeling This, like it's barely sung. It's mostly just yelled. Right. And so I was really excited to hear that. And... Um, we're working with this guy, Brandon Paddock, who did Duality and Upside Down, did a bunch of songs on um, the new record, Midnight. Um, incredible producer. And we finish it, uh, all like the vocals, guitars, everything, and we're like, all right, so we want to do drums. And we're trying to find a place to, to up for a live drum studio because they're hard to find. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, let me see. I think, uh, I think John Feldman's studio might be free. Mm-hmm. And John Feldman has been doing the past couple Blink-182 albums. Yeah. I find out that it is Travis Barker's drum set. Uh-huh. It, it's, it's got everything set up. It's all ready to go. And I got to play a cover of a Blink-182 song on Travis Barker's drum set. And I remember thinking, and I think about this a lot, is 15-year-old me would be losing his shit right now. Um, and so anytime I get jaded or I get frustrated or I'm like, God, this sucks, I'm just like, 15 year old me would be losing his mind right now to be able to do this and that was a moment that not only 15 year old me was losing a shit over but now me present me was like i can't believe this is happening that's Um, so cool too because like we talk about it all the time you become used to it mm -hmm. all these little things become like it's such incremental growth when you think that this started in 2008 right so to have those moments where it is like still you're just like oh shit that's cool. There was another one. I mean, like you think that you have gotten comfortable with it. That you're mm-hmm. like, oh, nothing can phase me now. Like I don't get stage fright anymore. But this last tour, um, so Cody's been dealing with a vocal injury for yeah. a while, right? He just got surgery. Um, he's going to be okay. He's yeah. recovering now. But uh, on this last tour we did, he pushed through it. Because of that, he had to like, we had to change the set around and make it so we didn't have to sing anything too hard. And we figured what a perfect time to switch. So Cody's been playing drums for a while. So he played drums and I sang and played ukulele. And it is the first time that I've ever really sang or been on the front of the stage for a set it off show or ever for that matter. And uh, that was a holy shit moment. And like, I can't believe this is happening. And I got to do that the whole tour. 
and the what view was sing? completely different. We sang "Bad Guy." Oh shit! Yeah, um, and it was terrifying and exciting and exhilarating. It felt like it was over in a snap. Like, like, all right, here we go. Over. Whoa! Because I was so excited, and, like my adrenaline was rushing. It's not till you get off stage where you're like, "Oh shit, that happened." Yeah, and I'm like, "Was it good?" Yeah. I don't even know if it was good because while you're playing. When I'm playing drums, I'm so far back, right? They're like, you have to put on a show. Mm-hmm. But um, eye contact isn't as important because yeah. you're just rocking out. Yeah. As, a, as a front man, yeah. when you're in front of the stage, like, you have to make eye contact. So I'm looking around, like making sure like I'm like, All right, I got to look at these people. I got to engage them. I also have to play these parts right and sing them correctly. And the thing I was thinking about most is I, I don't know what to do with my legs. Because with drumming, I'm sitting down and they're hidden behind a kit. Like I'm standing there like, does this look good? Does this look natural? Well, it's like the joke is always, I don't know what to do with my hands. So here you say legs. I'm like, that's hilarious. I don't know what to do with my legs. So uh, it gave me a newfound respect for front front men because they always get a bunch of flack for being like, oh, they don't do anything and they don't have any instruments. But like it's hard enough to sing, but it's also so difficult to engage a crowd and be confident. Yeah. Um, And that was a big like, I can't believe this is happening moment. So. Damn. Yeah. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Okay. So then on the other side of it, and I love this question, not to like get dark and sad, but like more for anybody who's like stuck or like in the worst spot is like, okay, where is the max that's dealing with the most turmoil or like where it gets the hardest? What is that like? What is that time in your life? And now with having everything that you know, what do you go back and tell that max to like motivate him to keep going? Man, I mean, even just recently with this, with Cody's surgery, we had to reschedule an entire tour. Yeah. And we're, we're taking, this is going to be the longest we've been home ever. Um, well, since I think we started the band. So being home is always tough for me um, because you're on this high of like, oh my God, it's a new show every day and people are excited to see you and like, you're a rock star, whatever. You get that that adrenaline, you get that high, and because of that, you get an ego boost. That and like what we were talking about is like when you're with such a supportive group of friends, mm-hmm. every day if you're bumming or anything, like you got each other, yeah. like it's just fine. And to come home is suddenly everything's very quiet and slow, and you have all this time to think, and uh, it can put you in a really dark place. Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to deal with that since the band has started. When yeah. I'm home, I'm a shell of who I am on the road. Yeah. And it's finding that purpose. And so when I'm in those dark places, most recently, I found that taking all of that negative energy and pouring it into something productive. For me, it's something, anything creative, whether that be, um, I learned ukulele because I was like, I need something I need a goal. I mm-hmm. need something that I can take all of this negative energy and put it into. I ended up writing songs that no one else is going to hear just for me, just to be like, I need something to dedicate myself to. Um, that's part of the reason why I started streaming. Cause I was like, I need something to make me feel like I have worth when yeah. I'm home and you're using up all of that negative energy in a positive way. Um, and that's the best advice that I have. But honestly, I think it's different for everyone, and I I don't know the correct answer because I I still deal with it all the time, but um, it comes back to, like, having the safety net of the other guys. Like, when something bad happens, it's not just happening to me. It's happening to all of us, and we can get through it together. Um, But for me on my own, it's been 
having an outlet. That's so sick. And like, I don't think you have to have the right answer. And the thing that I've been learning more and more is like somebody could listen to this episode and super relate to your childhood and everything you've been through and then hear that and be like, holy shit, this clicks. Or somebody could be like, oh yeah, like I don't really understand his story. And like that could not be the right advice. But I think that when you hear these takes from people that you respect, it holds different weight from just Googling it or reading something written. Like when you understand where somebody's coming from, I feel like it means more and it sets a cooler or a different example. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm so, I'm like, I'm always so intrigued by that question and that answer because everybody's is different. And I think that it'll resonate with the right people and with anybody else, that's fine. It doesn't have to be the right answer. There's something very calming about knowing that you're not alone. Yeah. That, you know, everyone goes through something and there's a very good chance that someone close to you has gone through something, you know, that you're dealing with. You might be like, oh my God, I can't believe Like, No one's going to be able to understand what this is. But like, there are. There's yeah. a lot of people and, and there's there's always going to be that support. You just have to, to find it. That's sick. I love that. Yeah. All right. So then my last question is, and again, you kind of touched on it, but it's like, what's next? What's future? What are you excited about uh, right now? Like we talked a bit about streaming. I fucking love that you're streaming because it gives you this outlet to talk to people and to do your own thing. And you don't have to wait on a tour for the band or whatever. I love that you've been doing that. I admire it so much. But in your words, and like, what are you excited about? What's what's next? The the streaming thing is I'm, I'm really excited about in that it's the first thing that is just me, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of artists go through it, but it's this like weird imposter syndrome where I'm like, no one actually likes me. They just like who I, they think I am. They only like me because of Set It Off. If I wasn't in Set It Off, no one would care. All of these feelings, right? I think a lot of artists go through them. So having something that's just me um, and being able to like fully control that has been really, really exciting and like cool. I keep being like, should I send an email about this? And I'm like, <laughs> there's no one to send an email to. I just do it. <laughs> and if it, if it fails, it's my fault. And if it succeeds, then that's, that's my success. Um, which has been cool, but it's also, again, you don't have that safety net. There's no one else with you. Right. So there's, there's the ups and downs of that, but I'm really excited about that. Um, we have a lot of set it off stuff planned. We had to change things around. Like I mentioned, Cody had to have a surgery and is recovering right now. But what I, the silver lining is that it gives us time off the road to really like plan out and think about what is set it off to us? What is set it off to the fans? what what is the logical next step what feels right Mm -hmm. um which i think a lot of artists don't get the chance to do because it's always like record tour record tour record tour it's freaky like you have a whole year and somehow when you get into that cycle everything is at a deadline like it's like shit we have to get ready we leave in this time and this deadline there's so many artists out there that like if you fall off the map for a minute like there you go no one cares anymore so like you have to constantly be in their face so this is the first time that we're like let's take a breath and figure out what the next step is for us. But uh, we've got some really cool, we've got the Midnight World Tour Part 4 coming up now in March, um, which is in the UK, Europe. We're going to Russia for the first time, which I'm very excited about. Um, We've got some songs uh, for anyone, I don't know if anyone here has like gone to set it off VIPs, but when we recorded Midnight, we had too many songs for the album. So we had to cut a bunch. And so we've got those. We're thinking like, oh, maybe we'll do something with that. Oh, like you'd play them at VIPs and stuff like that? Yeah, like we have the recordings. They're fully recorded, ready to go. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we're like... Oh, yeah, didn't you guys write like a fucked up amount of songs for that album? We had eight, 
eight? No, 16 or 18. We That's have much so more than songs. a full length. So many songs. <laughs> yeah, we were like, do we do two albums? Like, I don't know what to do. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have those. Uh, we're looking into recording the next record, the next chapter of Set It Off, which I'm really excited about. Um, something I didn't really touch on, but in joining a band that had already existed, because Set It Off started in 2008, I joined in 2010. It took me a minute to kind of like find my place. Yeah. And uh, for a while... I just played drums and mm-hmm. that was it. And mm-hmm. that was fine for me. It made my life easy. I had nothing to worry about. Um, but I wanted more. I wanted to be able to contribute and put more of myself into it. And with this latest record, Midnight, I was really able to uh, work on the visual aspect. So the theme of the album and what everything looks like um, and what it all means. And that connected me to set it off more than I thought possible. And so I've got a lot of ideas for the next record, which I'm very excited to get into. Um, Cody sent over a, like just a voice memo of something that he was working on and it's sick. Like it's so sick. I'm super excited about it. So we got that coming up, uh, whole bunch of things I can't talk about. I don't know why for in the music industry (laughs) or entertainment in in general, everything has to be like, Oh, you can't find out. Oh, we have to keep it a secret. We have to tease it for two weeks. Like I wish I could just say it. But again, that's part of the thing of like. I would, because I don't, I don't, I would rather just say it, but also like there's a lot of other people that yeah. are part of Set It Off that I can't just be like, whatever, no rules. I know. Yeah. So. It, I so heavily feel that because mm-hmm. I'm like now on this side where I have to be that bad guy talking to an artist with a label and being like, listen, we have to wait. But also at the same time, like all that shit that I did with version three and all that where I'm like, yeah, fuck it, post it, don't yeah. care. And both sides are fun. Yeah. I that's think great. that's why it's, I think that's why what we talk about about having your own thing mm-hmm. is so exciting. Yeah. It, there's, there's definitely a little more control, but I, I like the, the teasing part. Cause I yeah. mean, when I was, a when I was like what, 15, 16 and a band would post like a cryptic thing on their MySpace, I'd be like, <gasps> yeah, I'm so, it's all I could think about. It's like coming back to the days where like that spark and that magic of following mm-hmm. a band. It's like, then it's fun. Yeah. Like then we it. did four teaser videos before, uh, our first song from midnight came out mm-hmm. and it was so exciting. I was just scrolling through the YouTube comments, like, "What is going on? What's happening?" And you're like, so, Exactly. So it so it makes it all worth it, and also like planning things out and making sure that they are done properly. Um, it's worth it. It's yeah. just frustrating, you know. Yeah, I uh, feel it. Uh, got a ton of stuff. It's the Midnight World Tour, so we're trying to like hit as many places as possible. So we got some stuff in the works as far as like places we've never been. Um, not, nothing concrete yet, but. Yeah. Just going to be recording and touring, recording yeah. and touring until the end of time. So <laughs> That's just, that's the whole podcast. It's the monster truck intro and then just the clip of you saying recording and touring and we've pretty much done it. It's, it's every band's life. That's it. <laughs> there you have it, Max Danziger, recording and touring. That's it. Uh, this felt great. This was, this was cool. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It's It's nice to like have the same conversations we always have, but with a microphone in front of my face. Well, it's also cool because like you and I are, always ripping jokes like for Mm. us to have a serious conversation is very well i don't know we do but we're always ripping jokes and there's always something so like to just tell your story and to hear all of that is really cool for me yeah this was fun right i i I mean honestly i don't really talk about any of that stuff ever like i never get the opportunity to yeah it's not like you're at a bar and they're like hey what's up man and you're like well when i was nine yeah let me start but like that, and that's why I'm so excited to do this because there's obviously a thousand other platforms and we can bullshit about everything, but 
I just felt like so many people have these crazy stories and there's nowhere to be like, yo, cool. Here's a fucking hour to explain it. But it's kind of cool. And for those who care, it's awesome. And for those who don't, like, that's fine. Go yeah. listen to anything else. Or like, you know, it's... And, and to gas up the podcast for a minute, this is... We do a lot of interviews. Like, any band does a lot of interviews. And 99% of them are the exact same questions. You could Google them. It's, how did your band get started? How did you guys all meet? Where did you get your band name? How's the touring going? So to experience a, a type of, like, conversation or... It didn't even feel like an interview, but where you're asking these questions that evoke answers that I've never said out loud before. That's cool. That's exciting. So for me, that's a new experience, which I really like. Fuck. That's awesome. That's so sick. So rate five stars. It's, it's good for real. I've been pushing the five star comment and review thing. And I know that it's important and I think it helps with the discovery algorithm. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't tell you why. Like, I'm just like, fucking let me get five stars. Let me get some reviews. Yeah, it feels good. I, yeah, but like, I, I wish I knew more why. But like, hit it with five stars. Hit it, hit it, go ahead and hit it with five stars. I don't know why it's so important to me, yeah. but please hit it with five stars. It feels stars. like we're, we're an Uber driver. Yeah, 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 exactly. Please rate five stars. Please rate five stars. Would you like a starburst? Please yeah. rate five stars. Yeah, I have a bottle of water for you. <laughs> well, shit, thank you for doing it. I think that does it. Hell yeah.